What I want to talk about this morning is what it looks like for us to come to the Lord's table. Okay, does that make sense? What does it look like for us to come to the Lord's table? Because coming to the table, coming to the table is important in the family of God. The table uh, that we're going to read about here in Luke chapter 14 is representative of the family of God, the church, the house. Okay, and so we remember that in the same way a meal has been prepared for us, Jesus has prepared a way for us to come to the table. When we think about the table in eternity, I want you to picture this table as long as you can see, as long as your eyes can see, right? Chairs on both sides, a meal laid out, a spread, your favorite things uh, put on the table, and there's a chair with your name on it. There's a chair with your name on it. And I, and I know the narrative of some of you, right? Well, well I, don't, I don't deserve a seat at the Lord's table. Well, that's kind of the point. That's called grace, right? Somebody else should get that seat. Well, they, I mean, Jesus died for them too. So they have the same opportunity as, at a seat as you do. And that's the gospel. And that's the good news of Jesus. That he made a way for you to have a seat at his daddy's table. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Not the kids' table. <laughs> How many of you are going to be at the kids' table this week? All right. Dan Garrish, where's your hand? You're going to be at the kids' table this week. Right? But the Lord's table. His table. Coming to a table is way more. I want you to think about this, okay? Coming to a table, and there's statistics about how we don't do this as much anymore. I think the average family, right, eats one meal around the table per week where they're looking at each other, right, because we eat on the run. We, you know, we do these different things, right? But I want you to think about coming to a table. Coming to a table is way more than putting food in our bodies. Coming to a table is way more than putting food into our bodies. Coming to a table is about an invitation, Right? It's about an invitation that we're included in the table because when we break bread together, you know what happens? You break down walls together because you're at the table. You're at the table. The, the table brings us all to one place, most, for, the most, for the most part and most of the time, to one level, right? No matter the background. And if you go long enough without food, Something happens to each and every one of us that's natural. You know what happens? You get hungry. Or a new term, hangry. How many of you get hangry? I'm putting both my hands up, right? And you get hangry, right? You get hangry, right? Because if we go long enough without food, we all get hungry. We're united in that. And the reality is we do things at the table that we wouldn't do otherwise. What are some of the things we do at the table that we wouldn't do otherwise? Talk. What else? Laugh. What else? There's one more I really want you to pinpoint on. I'm sure in confidence that in all of that mumbling and gibberish that somebody actually said it, so I'll just say it. We look at each other. One of the first exercises, now this will ensure that none of you will come to me for marriage counseling, and that's okay, but one of the first exercises that I do with couples when I sit down with them and talk about conflict is I make them do something that, that sounds absolutely terrible at first. 
You know what I make them do? I make them look at each other in the eye for five minutes. No, <laughs> it sounds awesome, doesn't it? Right? I, look, I make them look at each other in the eye for five minutes. Same for premarital, okay? Because here's the reality. So many of us get stuck in side-by-side, back-to-back, uh, doing life right together at the same time that we forget what our spouse, what our friends look like. We forget what the look is like in their eye. And so sometimes I, it's important for us to sit across from each other and look each other in the eye and remind ourselves of the beauty of the person across the table, across the room. And that's what coming to the table does. You get to look around the table and admire the people. That's an overwhelming feeling for me whenever I get to sit around the table. It's an overwhelming feeling for me, and this is, this, is, this, is, this is not me trying to, you know, earn points. I, I, I truly feel this way. I, I text my, my family often to remind them of this, that, that, that I can't believe I get to be around that table. I can't believe that God in His grace counted me worthy to sit around the table with the five people that I get to sit around the table with. I can't believe that I get the opportunity to do that. And so sitting around the table on a regular basis, right, or some type of, we have an island that's the size of Vermont, and so, I meant to say Rhode Island, right, it's, it's, but it's, it's, a big, it's a big island, and so a lot of times, you know, we'll sit around the island, but we're still sitting and, and looking at each other, and it's, it's the same point. So it may not be a table, but, you know, not the recliner, not with the TV on, not, you know, but you're focused on one another, because sitting at the table forces you to look into the face and life of another person. It's more than food. Coming to the table is life. And so I want to invite you this morning to come to the table, sit at the table, and stay at the table. Sound good? I don't have any food to offer you, but I want you to come to the table for a few minutes. All right, so let's just imagine, right, that we're all sitting around the table this morning together. Sound good? All right. Luke chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 15 and go through 24. All right. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Okay? So what's happening here is there's a, there's a banquet. Okay? There's a banquet. When you give a feast, backing up to verse 13, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. Okay? So they're talking about a banquet. All right? Who gets invited to the banquet? Who has a seat at the banquet? And someone says, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. So Jesus is telling a story, verse 17, and at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. That's a beautiful moment, isn't it? <laughs> Let's eat, right? Time to eat, right? Okay, and you know the warning signal for that, the buzzer to kind of get things ready is when the person who's carving the turkey is invited into the kitchen to carve the turkey, right? You know, you know that's when things are heating up. It's about to get real, right? The stomach starts talking. It just, it's a beautiful, okay, anyway, sorry, squirrel. Everything is now ready. It's a beautiful moment. Verse 18, but they all alike began to make excuses, 
Everybody started making, making excuses. Everyone that had been invited to the table started making excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, that would be ten oxen, and I need to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Verse 21, so the servant came, reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to the servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Now let me just say really quickly, that second group of people, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame, that's, that's, that's us. That's you. That's me. Go out and get anybody that's willing to come. And the servant said, sir, what you've commanded has been done, and still there is room. Still there is room. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, there's still room. There's still room. There is turkey for you. You didn't have to repeat that part, Mike, but I appreciate you being, being good, okay? There's still room. And the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be, what? Hmm. But pastor, I like a small church. Jesus didn't die. Jesus didn't die so that we could dictate how many people were in his house. That his house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these who were invited shall taste my banquet. None of these that were invited shall taste my banquet. Jesus is eating a meal at someone's house in this setting, and they ask him, right? They ask him. They're asking him some questions. When one of the table reclined and heard these things that Jesus was talking about, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat in the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus responded with a story, talking about who gets a seat at the table. And so let's look at it. You guys good? All right, good. Let's look at it. Verse 15, when one of those reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. What was happening here is that he had just finished saying, do you invite people that are out of your comfort zone? Thinking about the lame, the poor, the crippled, the blind. Are you asking people, are you inviting people around your table that are in your comfort zone, or do you just invite people that can pay you back? Do you just invite people that will invite you back? Do you invite people around your table that make you uncomfortable? Right? Or do we just invite people that can pay us back? That's what, that's what, that's what, um, that's what we should ask ourselves, right? Verse 16, when Jesus wants to make a point, he tells a story. Look at what he does in verse 16. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. I love the picture of Jesus around the table because he just starts telling stories or asking questions, right? Jesus asks questions or tells stories. That was kind of his MO. And I, would, <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to kind of sit back and just listen to, tell, to Jesus tell some more stories. Verse 17, look at verse 17. He says, um, 
It says there, and at that time for the, for the banquet, he sent a servant to say to those who have been invited, come for everything is now ready. In these days, someone who is wealthy, a, a wealthy landowner or a prominent person would not let you know the day of, of a banquet. Right? Aren't those special times when, when something happens? This happened to us recently. Something got canceled and we were able to kind of make a plan on the spur of the moment. And like it's so rare. And isn't that a great thing? But in this time, these invitations, these invites would have been sent out weeks in advance to, to inform people about a gathering. Right? Weeks in advance to inform people about a gathering. We just had a dinner uh, this past Monday night. We got to sit around a table that we've been planning for like two months because of schedules and things like that, right? And so this would have been, this would have been a situation where, 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 where people would have known in, in plenty of time and in, in, in much advance about this banquet, about this banquet. And then verse 18 through 20, we see something happen. But they all alike began to make excuses. Now we're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that. Verse 21. So the servant came and reported these things, the excuses, to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to a servant, Go get people. You've got to go find people. Remember, Jesus is sitting at the table and, and telling a story to religious people who had excluded the poor, the crippled, the blind the lame because he had already told him that he needed that they needed to go out and get him so he's sitting he's stretching these people because they had already excluded them and then look at verse 22 there's still room sir we've done what you commanded and there's still room there's still space there's food to eat and so what does he do verse 23 he says expand your perimeter go out further i want my house full Wall-to-wall people. I don't care if they can pay me back. Make them, so, make them come so that my house can be full. And my question for us this morning is we see the connection, right? We see the connection. There's three groups of people in the story. There's the master of the house. Who's that represent? God. Good job. Snaps. Right? Right? Servants. Who's that? Us. Well done. Well done. And others. That's the world, right? Y'all pass the test. Let's pray and go home. Y'all don't need any more of this. Don't get your hopes up. He gives us the great joy, humbling joy, of inviting people into his house. He's prepped the banquet, right? He's prepared the table. He gives us the great joy of inviting people into his house. I was thinking about, as I was, I was, as I was preparing for this this week, I was thinking about Psalm 23, where it says that he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. That's amazing. God prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Isn't that incredible? You know what that must feel like to sit at, the ta- in, at a table with a meal in the presence of people that don't think you deserve that table. So there's things to note about the table. I want to talk to you about four things. You guys ready? Number one, look at the preparation. 
The master makes the banquet possible. It is the master that makes the preparation, not you. He owns it all. And when it comes to salvation, not a single one of us can save ourselves. Not a single one of us can break the chains of slavery, but the master makes the banquet possible for each and every one of us. We don't deserve it. You know what that's called? Grace. That in his grace, he makes the banquet possible. This meal, this feast, he makes it possible. Number two, the invitation. Now we know all throughout Scripture that God welcomes the world to his table. John 3, 16, For God so loves the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the preparation of the banquet right there. Everyone, God welcomes the world to his table. It's not an exclusive club. It's no dues, right? And, and, and everyone is welcome. And we see four invites, weeks in advance, that invites have been sent out weeks in advance. We see when the food is ready, Right? Everything's ready. Go get the people. Bring them in. Go into the streets. Well, we've done that, and there's still room. Okay, you've got to expand the perimeter. Go into the country. What's the point of that? The point of that is the invitation is never closed for the banquet. The invitation is never closed at the banquet. Not only is it for everybody, but it's never closed. You've never lost the window of opportunity to accept your invitation. This table, the table of God's grace, invites us all to come and to put our differences aside. This table invites us to come as we are and lay our burdens down. This table is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter who you're rooting for this afternoon. It doesn't matter who you voted for a week and a half ago. It's not about what your skin looks like, whether you're tall, whether you're short, how much you're bringing in this year. None of those things matter. The, the table is the ultimate unifier where it doesn't matter about those things. We just come as we are. But, when, but know this, when you come to the table, you'll be changed. So we see the preparation, we see the invitation, and then number three, we see the response. Some people make excuses. Some people are made new. And the most unlikely make excuses, and the unlikely are made new. The point of that to me as I read this text is never write anybody off. Never write anybody off. Never write anybody off. Let me ask you something. You know anybody that's good at excuses? Anybody? Okay, I see one hand back there. All right. Anybody else? Anybody, anybody know somebody that's good at excuses? Okay. Don't elbow that person next to you. Like, yeah, you're really good at excuses. I had to drag you out of church, out of bed this morning to get to church, right? Right? We hear those excuses all the time, right? I can't go to church. I can't get off. I can't serve. I can't give. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do that. And the reality is, the reality is we can do most of the things that we sit and think we can't do. It's just not important enough to us. Right? We can. It's just not important enough to us. Right? 
Excuse number one. I want to look at these three excuses that we see in the text. Excuse number one. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go see it. Please have me excused. Now, what this represents is a rich person. Right? Someone that has bought a field that didn't go and examine it and look at it in advance, but someone who is so rich that they don't need to go to the banquet because they've just bought a field and they've got to go check it out. What this excuse represents is pride. Right? And pride, what we've got to know about pride is at the center of every sin that we commit. Why? Because it puts us in the place of God. Right? I need this. I need to fulfill this void. I need to provide this thing. I need to blank. I need to blank, right? And it puts I in the middle of it instead of God. Excuse number one is rooted in pride. Number two, excuse number two, the oxen, right? I've bought five yoke of oxen and I need to go examine them. Five yoke of oxen would have been ten oxen. Now, if you look back and you study, five yoke of oxen would have been the equivalent of seven years' pay. That's how much these oxen would have cost. Seven years of income, seven years of, of pay. And their livelihood at this time would have been involved into farming. And so again, for, for, for an oxen buyer, okay, a livestock purchaser, Okay, to buy five yoke of oxen, ten oxen, several years of income invested into these animals without seeing how they would plow would have been irresponsible. It would have been irresponsible. In the same way, to see if the land was fruitful, if the land was flat, if the land was buildable, if the land, all of those different things would have been irresponsible. And so both of these excuses don't hold any water. Okay, and then lastly, excuse number three. You have a young man that looks back and says, I've married a wife, and so I can't come. Okay, let's think about this for a second. Newlywed, free meal. <laughs> Newly married, free meal. Not just a free meal, banquet. Newlywed, banquet, feast. Come on, man! Right? Like I'm thinking Stephen A. Smith here. Like, come on, man. Free meal? You can probably get enough there if you bring a big enough purse to feed yourself for the entire week. Right? Home alone. Put it in your purse. Put it, put it, put it in your purse. Every roll going in the purse. Right? Baggies of food. Right? Again, this excuse holds no weight. Free meal. Free meal. And so my question for you this morning is, if you, if, as you think about the table that's prepared for you, we have a choice. We can make excuses, or we can be made new. We can make excuses, or we can be made new. Now see, we have the benefit of something here, right? We have the benefit of something here. I was just reading this morning in James chapter 2, 
Um, that's where I'm at in my Bible reading plan. I was just reading this morning, and, and as I've read all, you know, as, as, I've, as I've read the scriptures this year, I've really been amazed at every place in scripture that were promised struggle. And yet, and yet the gospel, I feel like we're sold at many times is a gospel where you're not going to struggle. Right. And, and but 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 we've got to know, family, that when we come to the table, it's not going to be without disagreement. You can sit at the table and have a disagreement. Right. The problem comes when we sit at the table, we have a disagreement and we storm off and the disagreement never gets handled. One thing I love about the table is you can't bring a weapon to the table. It's where you come and you got both hands up there and everything, everything's laid out and you're, you're coming around a meal, right? But, but we're promised struggle. And, here, and here's, the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I think about making excuses versus being made new, okay? I was having a, I was having a conversation with, with, with someone yesterday who, uh, who, who's, 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 not, who's not church. And they said, it took me 38 years to realize, to realize that when I go through hard times, I'm made better. Okay? Anybody ever realize that? Right? When you struggle, that, that you're going to go through a hard time and there's going to be a good in it. Right? And, and, and one of the things that I like to say, um, it actually makes me cringe sometimes because it's very, you know, it's one of those cliche things, right? But if it's not good, then God's not done. Right? If it's not good yet, then that just means God's not done yet. Okay? If it's not good yet, then God's not done yet. Right? And so one of the things that we've got to think about, right, is we're tired, we're frustrated, we're lonely, we're 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 all we're burnt out, all of these different things, all of these different things that we're feeling, right? All of these different emotions that come through us. And so we just don't have it in us to go to the table when the table is exactly the place where we need to be. Because at the table we're made new. At the table, relationships are healed. At the table, forgiveness is given. At the table, we're, re- we're replenished, we're renourished to go back out to the struggle. At the table, we're reminded of the people that are in our corner. At the table, we see some of the things that we need to work on. At the table, we're reminded of the grace of God. And so as you come to the table this week, remember, it's more than food. There's an invitation. There's been preparations made. How many of you are already preparing for your table on Thursday? Hallelujah. Amen. Be sure to let me know, maybe through your connection card that you drop in the offering basket, what time I need to be at your house on Thursday. There's preparations that have been made for you to come to the table. There's an invitation for you to come to the table. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And it's up to you and how you respond in coming to the table. And then look at number four. What's the result? What's the result? I want to look at verse, um, verse 23 and 24. Master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges. 
compel the people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. So the people that have it all together, the people that don't need God, they're, they're, they're not around the table, right? They're checking out the land. They're checking out the oxen. They're eating ramen with their newly, right? Uh, they're, they're, not, they're not sitting around the table, right? They've got, they've got what they feel like they need, and they're not sitting around the table, okay? But what you do have is you have a house full of misfits and a kingdom full of miracles. And that's what I think about when I get to sit up here every week and look out at you. What a group of misfits. <laughs> we are. What a group of misfits this crew is. Mm. But the potential for miracles that sits in this room. Let me tell you something. I think it'd be pretty boring if we were all sitting here and we had it all together, don't you? That'd be pretty lame. At least one of us needs to have, have a need. Right? So y'all decide who that is this week. Because I got a few. But that's why I love the church so much. It's not a place where you have to come here clean. Put together. Secure. It's a place where we know where we can come in and be broken and still be loved. It's a place where we know we don't have to say the same stories that we've shared for the last 10 or 15 years just to make us feel good about ourselves and make us feel like we belong around the table. Because what makes you belong around this table is your brokenness and your need for Jesus. I think that can be the most important thing we can remind one another of this week is that you're good, you're seen just as you are. And you're loved just as you are. And so what Jesus is saying in this story, what Jesus is saying in this parable, come to the table. You don't have to be perfect. I was perfect for you. And so for you this morning, I'm going to ask Dylan to come. What's keeping you from the table? Is there a level of shame that's keeping you from the table? Is there a past experience that you went through that's keeping you from the table where you feel like you're not worthy of the table? Because I think about the table that Jesus describes here, and I think, why would people not come to the table? Why would people not come to the table? And the first step is to come. The first step in any invitation is to show up. So come to the table. Are you going to make excuses? Or are you going to be made new? 
feel like this is such a huge message for the church of Jesus. Because at the table there's unity. There's togetherness. And again, your table can look different this week. But I want you to think about God's table and how it's prepared for each and every one of you. And so I've asked Dylan to sing a song. The words are going to be on the screen, right? Because the words are pretty powerful. And in a shocking turn of events, the song is called To the Table. And I just want you to think about the table that's prepared for you. And the invitation is to come. And what's holding you back from the table? Let's sing. You're 
Thank you, Dylan. So we're going to step into a time where we come to the table. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to share communion together. I've got some folks um, that are prepared that if you didn't grab a communion packet when you walked in the door this morning, you just wave your hand or make eye contact with them. Don down here. Uh, we'll make sure you get we'll make sure you get elements. At Summit Church, we practice an open communion, which means simply you don't have to be a member of Summit Church to come to the table. I love that. It's kind of consistent with the fact that. Everyone's invited. We do ask that, especially if you've got kiddos around, um, it's your discretion, mom and dad, whether you would have them uh, eat the bread and drink the cup. Um, For those that believe in Jesus this morning. I want you to think about the upper room. And so for those of you that may not know the story of communion, Jesus, and it's called the Last Supper. He's with his disciples. I said that there's probably about 40 people in the room, disciples and kind of close followers. And he's preparing for the cross. He's kind of giving them final instructions, final moments. And what blows me away is that the disciples really, that were eating this meal, really couldn't fathom yet what was to come. They knew they, knew, they, knew they had an audience with Jesus. Right? But they couldn't quite wrap their minds around the fact of what was about to come. The sacrifice that was about to be paid so that their name could be put on a chair around the table. And so dinner ended. And Jesus takes the loaf of bread in the middle. So if you peel back that layer, that top layer, you can grab this wafer. This piece of cardboard is representative of the loaf of bread that Jesus would have taken and this was probably put in this wrapper by Jesus about 2,000 years ago. <laughs> but it's symbolic, right? It's symbolic. I always like to take my wafer and break it just like Jesus would have broken that bread right in front of his disciples. And then Jesus says something that's a bit odd, doesn't he? This is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. And the bread was symbolic in many ways because as Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread. So what I want you to think about as you take this bread, as you eat this bread this morning is this, that Jesus is enough for you. You don't need anything else to come to the table. He has invited you by giving of his body to be enough for you. To pay a debt that you couldn't pay. This is Christianity 101, isn't it? 
that he is enough for you. That he is enough for you. And so God, this morning, as we take this bread, as we hold it, God, remind us that you're enough for our circumstances. You're enough for our fears. You're enough for the losses that we feel. As some of us are going to walk into this week experiencing the first gathering, the first holiday gathering without a family member. You're enough. Your grace is sufficient for us. And so God, no matter what we're bringing to the table, you welcome it. You say, come as you are. And for that, God, I am thankful. And so remind us that you're enough. Remind us that you're sufficient through this bread this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you eat. Then he takes the cup. It's a very peaceful sound. It kind of sounds like rain on a tin roof from up here. Fire crackling. He takes the cup. Now again, Imagine being one of the disciples. In that upper room. And Jesus talking about giving his body and now pouring out his blood with the cup. time I can't every time I take communion I can't get the song out of my mind what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus because that's why we drink the cup Jesus said this is my blood poured out for you that covers it covers everything you've ever done it covers every shameful moment that you're in right now and it covers everything you're ever going to do tell you something there's nothing greater in the cup than assurance assurance is the way that we become enough we talked about this morning making excuses versus being made new the cup is what makes you new new life new desires blood of Jesus and so again kind of an awkward moment for those guys that couldn't really comprehend I mean Jesus had talked about the sacrifice he was going to pay right and yet he grabs this cup and says this is my blood 
poured out for you. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. And so God, this morning as we hold this cup, representative of your sacrifice for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay his life down for his friends. God, the fact that through Jesus and through the sacrifice, we get the privilege, the honor, the joy to be called your friends. Beloved sons and daughters, God, I pray that we would be overwhelmed this morning by the fact that we get a seat at the table in the house of the Lord. Oh, that day. Oh, that day. When we get to sit around that table. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you drink. Pretty amazing, isn't it? You get to come to the table. And so this morning, my hope for you, the worship team's gonna come. I'll close this in prayer, but my hope for you is that you walk out of here knowing I've got a seat at the table. And remembering this week and every week when you come in contact with people especially some of those people that are hard to love, harder to love, they've got a seat too. Jesus died for them too. And may we, like Jesus, challenged the people that He's reclined at the table with, may we go out into the highways and the byways. May we have the conversations this week we don't want to have and next week, and the week after that, and the week after that, that hey, you've got a seat at the table. we got some things we might need to work out, but you've got a seat at the table. Let's go to the table together. That His house may be full. Amen? And so God, thank You. Thank You that we get to come to the table. Thank you that we get to celebrate your goodness to us. And I pray that we would be moved this morning to think of someone that needs to be at your table. And would you renew a love and a passion for us to tell them about your love for them. In Jesus' name I pray.